a muffled pop from the groaning bolts reverberated through the crisp morning air as the city crane removed the statue. After 115 years, the Confederate soldier statue, which stood tall and erect in Houston, is now hidden from public view. During these past few weeks, our country has once again begun to reevaluate who is worthy of emulation. And now, when we look at these historical figures, we wonder how can we acknowledge the often painful reality of history and not glorify ongoing injustice and bigotry. Who we admire, whether in the past or in the present, matters. We might admire others, learn their history, and find ourselves adopting some of their viewpoints or emulating an aspect of their character. A disciple seeks to learn from their teacher. Jesus draws people to him, in part because people want to emulate some aspect of his character, or they're inspired by his teachings. Who and what we follow matters because it shapes our worldview and who we are. Yet having real life, flesh and blood people of inspiration can be a challenge. Not everyone has a fantastic father. Happy Father's Day, by the way. Sometimes people who we once thought were so great aren't. Real life people, even heroic ones, can disappoint us. They fail us. They fail to live up to our high expectations and moral codes. Unfortunately, we ourselves are not immune from hurting other people or saying terrible, cruel things. Sometimes we lose sight of who we are and our divine connection with God and each other. And if we are honest with ourselves, we know we aren't candidates for a bronze statue because we know that our lives cannot bear the weight of living up to an idealized persona. Our culture, our society, the world, if you will, is telling us that if we achieve more, all will be well and we will be worthy. If we can somehow attain beauty, and acquire wealth, life is good, and we are worthy. The lie that the world tells us is that it doesn't matter who gets hurt. It doesn't matter who gets stepped on to achieve our own personal success. It doesn't matter if our relationships are hollow and vapid. What matters in the world's faulty view is, are you famous? Are you wealthy? Are you powerful? Are you educated? Are you beautiful? That's the shallow value system of our world. Is it any wonder that some of the faulty pillars of this world's broken system are coming down? The pillars of exploitation, dominance, greed, and selfish living might finally be beginning to crack. As followers of Jesus, the same Jesus who spoke truth to power and warned his followers about the consequences of such truth-telling, we are called to speak God's truth to power. Speaking God's truth to power is the Christian witness. 
We speak not from a place of arrogance and moral perfection because we know we aren't perfect, but rather we speak to challenge and change the priorities and pillars of this world's value system, to reaffirm the value and dignity of every human being. In today's gospel, Jesus says that human beings are fundamentally valuable to God. Your preciousness to God is not dependent on your employment status, on your business success, on your education, or your ability to get whatever it is you want out of this life. None of that ultimately matters. God is not captivated by our beauty or our power, but rather God is drawn in by our transparency and our willingness to change. Our desire to fight the temptation to believe the lies of this world that this world tells us is attractive to God. We are called to live dangerously and to leave behind the values and priorities of the world and to proclaim the fundamental transforming message of hope and love that we have in Jesus Christ. And as we proclaim that message, we witness God breaking through, challenging and transforming our world through unlikely people and events. It's dangerous to proclaim the gospel. Some powerful people aren't going to like having their selfishness exposed. They are going to react, perhaps violently. Jesus says that he didn't come to bring peace to the world, but rather he came to earth with a sword. Jesus' notion of bringing a sword is especially shocking, considering how much Jesus talks about interpersonal peace. You remember the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are the peacemakers. So what does Jesus mean about bringing a sword to earth? Well, Jesus didn't bring the sword. The sword was already here, plaguing the earth. The vicious sword of violence has been with us since Cain and Abel. Those in power, the governors, the kings, the dictators, unsheathed their sword in response to the disciples' teachings and actions. To follow Jesus is to face a particular kind of terror. In the first century, it could mean possible crucifixion. Even today, proclaiming the good news in numerous countries around the globe is cause for imprisonment, torture, and potential martyrdom. The powers of this world don't like it when God, working through us, exposes evil actions. They want those secret, crooked deals, those unreported crimes to remain hidden. The Me Too movement has shed light upon the actions that are done in secret. Jesus describes how everything covered up will be uncovered. Justice will come. Not mob violence, but justice from the hand of God. The hidden nature and systems of oppression and domination will be exposed. We can live without fear because Jesus himself showed us how to fearlessly proclaim the good news of God's reign without being intimidated by those in power. Jesus spoke truth to power, and he offered forgiveness, restoration, grace, and hope. 
We can live without fear because we are known by God at our deepest level. God knows the numbers of hairs on our head. We don't have to be afraid of our history coming into the full light of day. There is nothing to be feared from deep self-examination and a commitment to listen and learn from our past. We can be fearless because we trust our soul into God's care. No one, no one at all, has the power to separate us from God except ourselves. Amen.